0: Let's just uh, return thanks, and I see some ushers that are going to be available to receive your offerings, tithes and offerings. Um, I'm just going to pray, and uh, we'll do this. Father, we just thank you for your many gifts to us. You have blessed us abundantly, and at this time, we, as we receive this offering, we receive it as a gift from you and for you. Bless each one that gives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Well, good morning again. And uh, we kind of got out of the habit of passing the plate. So that is uh, a good thing to have a reminder. pastor Nick has been uh, doing a series on first first Thessalonians and uh, I'm continuing on this morning we are going to be reading and having a study message from first Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 1 to 12 and I'm going to read this but I'd also like to read uh, verse 11 and 12. And thirteen from the previous chapter because it leads into this portion of scripture, and uh, I've been kind of uh, betwixt and between reading in the pew Bibles and my King James, but I think this morning I will read it from the the pew Bibles, New English version. <coughs> So we're going to start here in 1 Thessalonians, actually, chapter 3. And I want to start at verse 11 and then read on into chapter 4, down to verse 12. Now, may our God and Father himself... This is Paul speaking, and he's writing to the Thessalonians. uh, And he is praying for them. He's blessing them. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his Saints chapter 4 finally then brothers we ask and urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Now we have the word sanctification in here. I believe that that's what it used here, that he may... Um, yes, to, uh, verse 3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Now that might be a big word for some. What does that mean? Sanctification has two meanings. One is to set apart. When we receive Christ as our Savior, we are in Christ, and He we are set apart in Him. The second meaning is... To make holy. So this is what happens after we have been set apart in Christ. We are to work out our salvation. We are to desire to live holy, to, uh, to have the changes made in our life. Little by little, as God works on us, he works on us little by little, And all of a sudden, we realize that maybe there was something we were doing that really didn't please the Lord. And so, because we want to obey Him, we say, yes, Lord, I'm going to work on that area. And we do. And that is the process of the Holy Spirit within us, that after we have accepted Christ, And it continues on through our Christian life. It's like the Holy Spirit allowing Jesus to grow up in in us. And that is a process. So the first one is instantaneous. When we accept Christ, we are declared righteous in him. He has sanctified us. He has made us his child. And then the Holy Spirit goes to work in us. And as days go by, you realize, oh, you know, those bad words that I was using, that's not really pleasing to the Lord. I think I'm going to stop using them. And the thing is, the important thing is, that the Holy Spirit is within us to help us to make those changes. It's not like the pressure is all on you now to get everything all in order. But God is so wondrous in his mercy that he gives us the Holy Spirit and he begins the work, the cleaning up process, if you want to say it like that, to be more like Christ. And that is what Paul is writing to the Thessalonians. And he is saying, uh, you have been at work in this process. God has been at work in you and there's been many things that have changed already. In fact, he says, uh, uh, you have received of us so that you would abound more and more. Uh, that um, So here's where I get a little bit of a problem in between these two translations. So we have been set apart Our sins have been forgiven. We're declared righteous in Jesus. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, or chapter 6, pardon me, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he mentions in verses 9 and 10, he gives a whole list of immoral and unrighteous living lifestyles. He mentions um, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous drunkards revilers extortioners he said and such were some of you in other words this is what at one time they were this was the the lifestyles that some of these people and this this particular scripture it was written to the corinthians But the same thing was for many of the churches that Paul was in and wrote to. This was some of their lifestyles before they knew Christ. In Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God. Which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, as he is writing to the Thessalonians, he mentions some of these things, and he says in verse 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. And he goes on and he begins to mention some of these um, immoral lifestyles. In 2 Corinthians 7.1 it says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of god and i was so blessed this morning we were singing about how god is holy 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 and you know he desires us as a people to desire holiness in our lives he desires holiness righteousness in our lives In Romans 6:13, it says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God, as those that are alive from the dead. In other words, we are now alive in Christ, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So here in chapter 4, Paul is speaking to the Thessalonians of this process as our walk, our conduct, living to please God. Living to please God. We are to progressively match our behavior with our positional righteousness in Christ. That's really what it's all about. It's to match our behavior with who we really are. We're children of God. So he says, match your behavior with your positional righteousness in Christ. And he addresses three areas, particularly in this scripture. Our moral purity, our love toward fellow believers, And how we conduct our lives as we live in this world, particularly towards those who are unbelievers and particularly in the area of our work ethics. Did you know that that is really something that speaks to unbelievers as well? So there's three things that we're going to address. And notice how Paul comes He says, uh, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you. Now, Paul could have come to the Thessalonians demanding and commanding, but he didn't. He says, I beseech you, brethren. It's almost like he's saying, I beg of you to pay attention to what what I'm saying to you. He came as a brother in Christ. And he comes alongside them to encourage them and uh, know that he is he's for them. God is for them. You know, uh, I really appreciate uh, this word, beseech. I beseech you, brethren. So he's encouraging them to even do more than what they are doing. He said, you've been following the instructions of the Lord very well so far. But keep on. Don't give up. Keep on and do even more so in allowing Christ to be uh, in your life that we can be that example to those that do not believe. (laughs) Paul commends them that they do walk or conduct themselves In the holiness they have in Christ but he says we can always do more and that's you know something that we can take to heart Uh, we never get to the place where we've arrived but it just seems when you know when the spirit of the Lord speaks into our heart and uh, you know after a little while you feel that well I have conquered that area you know I'm I think that I'm I don't have to go around that bush anymore. And then, won't you know it, the Spirit of the Lord begins to work on something else. How many have ever experienced that? You just think, well, now I've got that thing looked after, and then all of a sudden, oh, I never thought of that. Something else to work on. And so it is. You know, we are in a process. And this is a process. And don't be discouraged in the process because he does, God is so gracious to us. You know, if our heart is really to seek God, to know God, he will work in our lives in a very gracious and compassionate way. And yes, we will fall, but he says, I'm there when you call on me, I'll pick you up we'll carry on and this is what he does you know for us never to become discouraged and say well this is just not going to happen in my life because as we continually uh, surrender ourselves to the Lord he'll make it happen and things that you thought were impossible they are possible with God and possible because the Holy Spirit is at work in our life (coughs) so we're going to look at these three areas particularly that Paul addresses moral purity is one the first one he says abstain avoid sexual immorality This phrase covers a whole range of sexual sins that goes against God's design for sex, which was to be between one man and one woman for life. In verse 7, he says, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but holiness. And these folks living in Thessalonica understood what this meant because in their society any sexual perversion was accepted. They had all kinds. Many that had come to Christ had come out of a religion that this was a very much part of their worship, believe it or not. And I must say that our world is getting more permissive than ever before. And an immoral lifestyle is being promoted widely in the media and everywhere you look. We have a laxed censorship today and more material is available than ever before. The internet has opened access to websites that are designed to stir up thoughts and feelings that lead to sinful thoughts and desires. In verse 4 and 5 it says that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, which is a big word, that it simply means passionate lust even as the Gentiles who know not God." So he's saying, when we have Christ, we are not as those that don't know him. And sadly, sometimes Christians get taken in the same trap. So craving, longing, or desiring what is forbidden And your thoughts so important what we think about you know that's part of the reason that Paul said when he was writing the Romans that we present our bodies let our minds be renewed we have to allow Christ to change our minds our thoughts because there's everything out there to get you on the wrong track no shortage of the work of the enemy to get you as an adult, our children, the young people, whoever, on the wrong track. And it usually starts with our thoughts. In Ephesians chapter five, we have um, a whole list of examples of immoral lifestyles. Um, I won't read all those verses myself, as some of the verses that I've already read pertain to these as well. But this is a serious matter with the Lord. And these, particularly up to verse uh, 6, Seven. Um, this is what it's, it's referring to uh, those things that are displeasing let's all say the word displeasing displeasing yes let's say it again displeasing to who? to the Lord to the Lord and it even mentions talks about the things that we say Foul, coarse, vulgar language is named among those things that are displeasing to the Lord. And he says, be not partakers with them. So that's something that, you know, sometimes gets into the area of... uh, well, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter what I say. But it does, because God sees it, and it's He says it is displeasing. Say that again. Displeasing to Him. Uh, we were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord? There's been a change happen in our life. He says, walk as children of light. And could I also say, talk as children of light. The things that we talk about. How can we praise God and remind others of his goodness if our lifestyle and language is a contradiction to that? So think about that. And maybe this is one of the things that You know, you've been saying, well, I think I've got everything looked after as far as I know, but now that I've said that, you'll think, oh, is there sometimes the times that we say things that are, could they fit into this category, foul, coarse, or vulgar language? And even when we think about this this matter of lusting you know it was job who said i made a covenant with mine eyes why then should i think upon a maid in other words i'll not look not to look with lust upon a girl and then we have the example of joseph when potiphar's wife tried to seduce him what did he do he didn't stay there a moment longer he ran. And there's a scripture that says flee youthful lusts. We run away from that. We stay away from that. And things that that are that are tempted to bring those thoughts to our mind. 1 Corinthians 6:18 to 20 says flee immorality. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? We have the Holy Spirit within us, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price." And that price was a high price. The blood of Jesus bought us. Wherefore, glorify God in your body. In other words, do not be a stumbling block for fellow believers. And we must understand our weaknesses and our evil tendencies and avoid resist flee from those things that play to our weaknesses and our evil desires we are to submit our bodies as living sacrifices to god that the holy spirit can renew our minds not to be controlled by the desires and appetites of our bodies for immorality paul said in galatians five sixteen, this i say walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So you might say, well, just what does he mean by that? How do we walk by the Spirit? By knowing God, by knowing his word, and most important of all, obeying it. How do we walk by the Spirit? By knowing God, knowing his word and, what is the next word? Obeying it. That is the, that's really the the binder of the verse. Obeying it. The standard of morality is God's standard. And he gave us the Holy Spirit to enable us to keep that standard. What I said before earlier, he has not left us on our own, but we have now the Holy Spirit within us to help us keep his standard, live by his standard, so that we can live pure and holy lives. We are not to reject the Lord who gave us the Spirit and defile our bodies, which is the Spirit's. Temple. Now, I would just like to say here that there may be some sitting here today or some listening to my voice that have gone down that road and they're saying, What now? Here I am. I'm not in the place that I know I should be. Well, I want you to read 1 John 1 9. 1 John 1 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is so merciful. And I think of the words of Jesus when they brought to him a woman taken in adultery. And all those that had condemned her were standing around. And Jesus said, let him that is without sin cast the first stone you see jesus was not going to condemn her and whoever you are today jesus does not condemn you but he wa- makes a way out for you and just like jesus said to this woman neither do i condemn you go and sin no more we don't want to forget that phrase Because we have a way out. There is forgiveness. There is forgiveness. But he says, go and sin no more. So as we're following through this scripture in 1 Thessalonians, the next uh, theme that Paul talks about is loving one another. In verse 9 and 10, Paul instructs the Thessalonian believers that they are to conduct themselves in love, in loving one another. And here again, he says, you've been doing a great job. I'm pleased with you. But let's do even more. And uh, I think if, if Dave, here is where I want to put this map up. And we are just going to look and see where where uh, Thessalonica is. Okay, whoops. Oh, here's Thessalonica, right up there. This is Macedonia, this area here. And just as a matter of interest, where they had that earthquake is down in here. This is Turkey. And Syria is right. Well, there it's the name Syria so it's right in this area here Turkey and Syria terrible but anyway here is Thessalonica and as he's talking to these Christians that are there he says you know you've been doing a wonderful you've been doing a wonderful job but he said I want you to do more. And we know that they had gone to Berea, there's Berea, and also to Philippi with the gospel. And, and in here, uh, he had demonstrated their love to these other areas as well. So some of them had actually traveled from Thessalonica. I'm not just too sure how much of a distance that is. But they had gone to these other areas to uh, be generous to them, to help them demonstrate their love for these areas. He doesn't say what they did to demonstrate this love and it could have been, you know, hospitality, kindness, deeds of kindness, mercy. But he says, don't, don't quit. Keep on showing your love to these other areas and to believers right where you're at <coughs> in practical ways. And that's a good way to... And in fact, this is where... Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas and Timothy, had been to these areas, and actually, if you remember the scripture, that it says uh, uh, they were in. Oh, uh, in in Acts seventeen eleven, I believe it says that they had gone to. They were in Thessalonica, and the unbelieving Jews, particularly they had put up quite a fuss and chased Paul out of Thessalonica, and so they went to Berea, and it says these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they searched the scriptures with all, uh, with their hearts to see if the things that Paul was teaching them was true. So this is the area that we're talking about. Thank you. Somebody else is. Is that you, Dave? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I thought that was a little fly up there to start with. <laughs> but anyway, so we won't we won't have any problems seeing where we're we're talking about. But I don't know about you, but I like to see where I'm. Uh, see where I'm going and uh. but anyway so they were helping these other Christians, they were being sensitive to the needs of fellow Christians, loving them going out of their way and actually uh, Jesus said in Matthew 25 40, inasmuch as we have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you've done it unto me and then verse 11 and 12 This is an interesting verse. It says that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. So Paul already had talked to them about this, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing. So I believe he's talking about having a good work ethic minding our own business, uh, if we look at that verse, this other verse in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, just over a couple pages, it says, in verses 10, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. That's pretty serious. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by the Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. So we are not to be in a a situation of hostility toward others Or be the cause of conflicts, but as a witness to the transforming power of the gospel. Caring for their own families, ambitious, good workers, providing for their family, and also having something to share with those in need. I was reading a story about a farmer, must have been in the in uh, about Iowa or someplace down there because he was a corn farmer and he always won first prize for his corn. And in the spring, he always shared his best seeds with his neighbors. And they appreciated this, but they finally asked him, why do you do this? He always shared his best seeds with his neighbors. He said, my corn will be pollinated by the winds from other fields. If other fields have poor quality corn, sooner or later, the quality of my own corn will go down. So he was a a very smart man, but a very uh, considerate person. And You know, we are all interconnected. Believe it or not, we are all interconnected. And if we are generous, we will be pollinating the seeds of goodness both within and outside the body. That doesn't just help our neighbor, it helps us too. Best of all, it gives glory to God. To be a testimony to unbelievers and make the gospel credible. You know, that's so important. We need to make the gospel credible to those that don't know Christ. So I just encourage you today. May we live our lives pleasing to the Lord in a way that brings glory to God. That's who we want to glorify. We don't want to glorify ourselves. We want to glorify God. And how we live our lives, as Paul is mentioned in these verses, makes a big difference in our testimony, in the community, wherever we go. The people we rub shoulders with, It makes a difference. So let's just, I'm just going to close in a word of prayer. Thank you for listening. And uh, may we be challenged. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you have done in our lives. And Lord, we know that you are still at work causing us to go in the, be in the process of having our lives changed to be more like Christ. Forgive us for the times that we fall short, and there are many times that we do fail. But Lord, we we pray that you will help us through the power of the Holy Spirit to live our lives in a way that Will be an example and an encouragement to those that we rub shoulders with, whether they're believers or non-believers, and Father, that uh, they may see our good, the things that we are that's happening in our lives, and know that God is with us. And God wants to change their lives as well. Father, I just pray that our hearts will be stirred and challenged today by Your Word. In Jesus' name. And now, Lord, I pray for this people today that you will bless them. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are so merciful. Thank you, Lord, that you walk alongside of us. And you're saying that you will hold our hand. You will take our hand and lead us. Bless each one in whatever they're doing in this day. Keep them. In Jesus' name amen